Ever leave your pets at home and come back and find out they've defiled your favorite t-shirt out of spite? Now imagine if they went feral and hated humans, especially you. Hell hath no fury like a Pooh Bear scorned. Welcome to the Dead Harvey Podcast. This is the place for indie horror filmmakers and fans. We have fun promoting and celebrating indie horror, do interviews, deep dives, and even include some educational material. After Christopher Robin abandons them for college, Pooh and Piglet embark on a bloody rampage as they search for a new source of food. So how was an indie filmmaker able to make a movie based on a famous children's property, and a Disney one, no less? Well, what happened was, A.A. Milne's 1926 novel, Winnie the Pooh, entered the public domain in the U.S. in 2022. So the 1926 novel marked the first appearances of Winnie the Pooh, Piglet, and Christopher Robin. And in 2022, those rights lapsed into the public domain. And basically, Disney lost those rights. So the director of Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, Rise Frank Waterfield, smelled blood in the water. He smelled uh, indie filmmaking fortune blood in the water. What he did was actually a very smart thing for indie filmmakers to do. He seized an opportunity and he found an angle. I mean, how many horror movies have you seen based on children's books up to this point of things that are in the public domain? I mean, I can think of like Pinocchio's Revenge. I think there was a Rumpelstiltskin one, but there haven't been that many. I got suckered in by the hype for this movie. And I went and saw it at a Fandango screening. So this was a one-night-only thing. And apparently, it worked for a lot of other people, too, because that theater was almost full. And usually, it's pretty much empty unless there's a Marvel movie. But that plays into several of the things that I thought worked well for this movie. And then I'll go into the things that I thought, and the crowd reaction plays into that, of what I thought were missed opportunities for this movie. Beginning with the positives. The director jumped on the idea right away, and he sort of, he found his niche. The premise is really good and twisted. Christopher Robin leaves his childhood friends, Pooh, Piglet, Eeyore, Rabbit, Owl, all the others. He leaves them behind to go to college. And so basically he abandons them. And when he comes back, Pooh and Piglet are really pissed off at him because he left them alone. They had to almost starve to death. And due to this, they cannibalized Eeyore. And after they cannibalized Eeyore, they got that taste for blood. So pretty much anybody that walks into 100 acres is fair game for them to hunt down. But mostly it's like attractive college-age girls like in their Friday the 13th movies. And this movie had a pretty fast turnaround. Not only did it get distribution for it, but they kicked in some extra money. So what I read was it was around like $100,000 when all was said and done. And then Fandango put it in the theater. They charged 15 bucks, And from what I've read now, that movie made at least a million dollars. So it almost made almost 10 times its money back, depending on, of course, what they spent on advertising and whatnot. But this movie already made a profit. So winner, winner, chicken dinner right there. Uh, as I said before, the premise is really good and twisted. It's going to pique people's curiosity. It's going to get people to talk about the movie. It raises all these questions like, how could they get away with this? Will Disney sue them? Um, and just like people wondering what kind of movie it's going to be like. It's got the the name brand behind it, the Winnie the Pooh brand that is a household name. Almost everybody, even if they haven't seen the Disney cartoons, are familiar with the character of Winnie the Pooh or have heard about him. I think they made this amount of money because they stalled this movie from a video-on-demand release. So instead of making this movie available... Streaming, you know, like a lot of the times, like the new independent 
movies will come out and you'll be on Amazon or Vudu or whatnot. There'll be like new releases, same day in theater, $6.99 titles. I thought it was going to be something like that or maybe even like a $20 thing to go see on video. But they just did it at the theater well, like one night only on February 15th, the day after Valentine's Day, which I found to be hilarious, especially since there was a lot of uh, couples there. So <laughs> that was even funnier. So I think there were some strategies that were really good. Some strategies kind of like that Hollywood uses with the brand name recognition. So not only that, but the title, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, is just perfect. I mean... <laughs> Honey is, aside from the name Pooh Bear, we associate him with honey because we all remember when Pooh Bear got stuck and he couldn't get the honey. And there was like a whole episode or show about that. But I just remember laughing at that so much when, when I was a kid. But like to take that and use it in a horrific way is something that's going to get people talking. It spawned a massive internet hype. It gained momentum. And because the one day theater release, it made it much more difficult for people to pirate it off of streaming. And it made it more like an event. This is like a one-day thing to see. And, and we're so used to seeing the same generic things that Hollywood puts out over and over again. It entices you to leave the house because it's one night only. So you, you have to go to the theater to go see it. So I think that strategy worked well. And obviously, they already made their money back. Uh, some other effective things about this movie. There was a movie called The Mean One with the actor from Terrifier 2 that plays that creepy clown, Art the Clown. And this was like a Grinch kind of parody. But because of rights issues, they couldn't have Grinch in the name, so they called it the mean one. So I, I don't imagine that movie making nearly as much as this one did or doing as well as this one did because it didn't have as much of a viral sensation as it didn't have as much of an internet sensation as this one did. And they couldn't put the name of the movie they were parodying in the title. But with this, they were actually able to put Winnie the Pooh in the title. So that right away is going to draw tons of people to want to see it. Oh, and there's something else I appreciated. That Pooh Bear, they gave him a pretty good sized gut. I mean, you got to have, you got to give Pooh the gut, even if it's an actor that doesn't have a gut, you got to add a fake one. So all that I think is fantastic. And kudos to the director for having the strategy and making it work and turning it into a payday. Unfortunately, the movie itself, I see as a lot of missed opportunities. The crowd was very hyped to see this movie. It was, it was like a crowd for a midnight screening, but it wasn't midnight yet. It was like 7 o'clock. The energy from the crowd was that everybody was amped up to see a cult classic movie in the making. What we got was something far different. It's the equivalent of going to see a concert that you've really been looking forward to. You go to see a band that's on your bucket list. They take the stage. They belt out a great first song. And then they fall down and spend the rest of the evening passed out on the stage. And you don't get your money back. It's a shame, too, because the first scene is great. It's reminiscent of the E.H. Shepard drawings in the original Winnie the Pooh novels. Like that kind of rough, sketchy look, except uh, the artwork on this made him look even more kind of primitive. So that was fantastic. It's got the makings of a great like fairy tale opening, a very like, warped horror movie. Lots of potential. So the energy is still high. Then Christopher Robin and his fiance enter. Christopher Robin coming back five years after college, going to visit his childhood friends. We see like the remains of ER in the background. There's bloody signs. Weird stuff is going on all around. And Christopher Robin and his fiance, Mary, is like, let's get out of here. And he's like, no, I got to see what happened to my friends. It's like, well, clearly you're wandering into a crime scene here. So something, whatever happened, it's not good. Um, so he's, you know, like a regular person in a horror movie, just ventures into the unknown stupidly. 
<laughs> so him and Mary are attacked by Pooh and Piglet. And this is where it all starts to go downhill. Because after about like the first 10 minutes, you just get like a very straightforward feeling to this movie. It's like a Friday the 13th movie, but without the goofy side characters like the and the campiness and the cheesy dialogue or like uh, Crispin Glover when he showed up in that one. It's like Friday the 13th without Jason and the Alice Cooper music in the background, without Jason getting resurrected from lightning, like the fun stuff that we remember. It's basically just Pooh and Piglet running around like serial killers, dispatching a group of college women to go to this cabin to relax. The crowd's waiting for a cheesy line. The crowd's waiting for something different to happen. But no, it's like as soon as we see Pooh and Piglet, and here's another thing that was like very wrong from the start. So clearly they're they're basically like half human, half animal hybrids what that means is just guys walking around in animal mess you know like somebody almost kind of reminded me of like those movies where somebody robs a bank and they put on a weird animal mask or they do a home invasion and they put on a weird animal mask that kind of like vibe you get from it except this is supposed to be Pooh and piglet Pooh looks more similar to how he does in the disney but not nearly as cute and piglet looks like that warthog from the lion king he just is very like he was so far removed from the disney version they just all sort of demonic looking Now, Pooh's mask is better. It kind of covers up more of his face, kind of tucks down underneath his shirt. But Piglet's mask, there's an opening to the space for where, like, the eyes and the mask separate that you can see into, or, like, the sides of the neck. And this is one thing. I'm watching this thinking, like, this, if it's just going to be guys walking around in the animal mask, you got to at least make those look good. Those look believable. The Pooh one worked for most of the time. There was one or two scenes where it wasn't as obvious. But with the Piglet mask, and it got better after the first couple scenes with Piglet, which you would think would be the opposite. You would think they would pay attention more to like those first couple scenes and then pay less attention as the movie got on. It gives it a very sort of like cheap feel to it. Everybody just sort of like after about half the movie got through, everybody in the theater was kind of like they were looking for something to laugh at. And then you could tell they were just disappointed because there wasn't any like real memorable lines or characters or anything like that. It was just an excuse to have scene after scene of Pooh and Piglet stalking people. And it wasn't like incompetently done or anything. That's a, that's the thing. It was actually shot pretty well for its budget, but it just felt like it had no life, no personality. Winnie the Pooh—they're not talking at all because for some reason the animals make this uh, make this vow not to talk after they've cannibalized Eeyore. Yeah, they're basically just both walking around like Michael Myers, uh, slaying these college women. It's just very monotonous and kind of, and it's just very repetitive, and they don't hold back on the gore. So some of the kills in the movie are pretty decent, like not super creative or anything, but not, but you know, they went to some effort. And this is also a shame because they did some good practical effects, but there's a, like a shot in the movie, the camera's kind of close up to the face and one of the eyes is all bugging out and everything looks really good. And then just like the super fake looking, the CGI blood like sprays out like near the top of their head. And that just instantly took me out of it. So basically the movie just feels like it functions as a set piece for different kill scenes, but there's nothing else to the movie. Like, so all the things they set up, they don't expand on or really go any further with, which was disappointing to me. Christopher Robin leaves the animals to go to college for five years. So in the world of this movie, he's gone for the entire five years and doesn't bother to go visit them at least once. I mean, does he not have like summer break or Christmas break or Thanksgiving break? He just pieces out for five years. This, I mean, it doesn't even, like, he's not writing them letters or anything. And they're half human, half beast. So they would be, I'm assuming he taught him how to read. 
Another strange thing they don't address is that in the world of this movie, like the entire time I'm watching, I'm like, what? So Christopher Robin just stumbled across the woods and he saw these half men, half creature beings that no one's ever seen before. And he didn't think it was weird at all. He just said, hey, you want to be friends? And if they starved after he left, how did they feed themselves before he showed up? I mean, it's not like he just walked in like right after their parents had all been killed and he raised them from being babies. Those critters were getting food without him before he just brought it to him. Maybe they just got really used to the idea of delivery and hated the fact that they had to go and like hunt and stuff. So, but then they want to do it later, which is another thing that doesn't make sense. So, lots of things in this movie that don't make sense. Okay, moving on. The characters all sound alike in this movie. The only difference I could find, like with the main like female cast, was that. One girl was kind of, you know, she had a lot of tattoos. And she was like a kind of Instagram influencer. And she was in the bikini. And she was taking selfies. She had like that sort of shallow personality vibe that she got from her right away. But then the other girls, you couldn't tell the difference between any of them. Except for one was like a little bit nerdier and wore glasses. But the way they talked seemed to all be the same. And that's like the same thing you could interchange Pooh and Piglet. So just missed opportunities to make great dialogue. Great like funny situations. There was one scene, especially in the movie. I think it was about like halfway in the movie. We're in the treehouse, and Pooh Bear is there. And there's a uh, person that he's killed, or Piglet is killed behind him. It's almost like a skeleton hanging on in the background, like on a meat hook. And Pooh Bear's there, and he's just slumped over with his head down. And he's all depressed, and he's on an exercise bike. So several of us in the theater were laughing. Uh, at this moment but then it's and then it just got like all serious right after that the tone of this movie is so strange because it takes itself too seriously but it doesn't really try to be scary i mean it goes for the kills and the gore but it doesn't really try to be scary and then it makes no effort to be campy at all except for like in little moments but it's just very straightforward lifeless poo and piglet of serial killers stalking people and taking them out in brutal ways but like, there's so much of the, the lore they could expand it on. I mean, just think of that whole, just like with Pooh Bear, the, the image of Winnie the Pooh depressed on an exercise bike Well, there's a corpse behind him is pretty hilarious if you have a uh, twisted sense of humor. <laughs> but as the makings for moments like moments like that, tank things like that, personality traits, maybe Pooh depressed about being so fat that he can't get the, uh, that he can't get the actual honey anymore. Or... Maybe have Pooh be like Leprechaun, and he doesn't get violent until somebody tries to take his honey away. You know, but things like that. But there was nothing that they went into for, like, real personality traits on Pooh or Piglet or the rest of the characters or anything. It didn't seem like they went to any effort to that, or any even, like, B or C storylines either. They start with a couple, and then they just drop them just give up on them yeah just a lot of things started didn't finish but so basically it has like a gimmicky feel kind of more than anything else which is a bummer too because if this movie wanted to they could have made it campy and a great like enjoyable crowd pleaser of a movie really fun or they or they could have tried to make it as scary as possible but that's uh what this movie avoided this movie avoided making the decision to go either one of those ways but none of that matters because the movie already made a shitload of money. And by the time they get you in the theater, they already have your money. And because they made that money, according to Showbiz Cheat Sheet, we haven't seen the last of Winnie the Pooh or Rise Frake Waterfield for that matter. 
on the Showbiz Cheat Sheet website. They talk about what he's going to do next. Frank Waterfield is not stopping at Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. He revealed he's working on Peter Pan, Neverland Nightmare, and Bambi the Reckoning. So the Peter Pan movie that includes an obese Tinkerbell recovering from drugs. And then then the article says, Meanwhile, Bambi will feature the beloved deer as a horrifying killing machine. So it's going to be like a little baby deer attacking people. Okay, I could see that. I mean, yeah, it's all in the execution for either one of these. But because of how this movie turned out, I'm not going to get suckered back in to Fandango. See, that, that's the thing. It's like, if this movie was a real crowd pleaser and really worked as that kind of like cult movie favorite, then people would be coming back for these. You know, the gimmick might work. Maybe people didn't see Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, and they'll go see these. But I just think that because there were so many missed opportunities in this movie, that it was also a missed opportunity to bring people back. Who knows? I could be completely wrong. Maybe people will go see more of these and they'll keep making money at the theater. But for me personally, uh, after seeing this and the way that it was executed and how it came off more like a gimmick, and I feel like it didn't go to the effort to expand on like the whole, the world building of the movie, all that was just completely missing from it. But so many things that were missing from it, so many questions they didn't address, it just felt lazy in a lot of ways. After seeing this in the theater, I'm not willing to spend $15 to go back unless the word of mouth on the other ones is going to be great. So it burned me from going to see the rest of them. If this would have been great, I would have seen all the sequels or everything else that he was planning on coming out for it. But maybe that'll turn around. So anyways, end of the day, the indie filmmaker won. He got people to the theater. Uh, He exploited the public domain system perfectly. And (laughs) even though I didn't like the movie... He's making it so that Disney can't have a monopoly on it anymore. <laughs> and that's a public service in and of itself. Okay, Dead Harvey Classroom time. Marketing is key. World building is key. Script is key. A crazy-ass premise does not alone make a great movie. Love your pets. If you see animal-human hybrids in the forest... Approach friendship with caution. Making sure your animal friends are well-fed is a good way to keep them from going psycho. If you're in a hot tub and you see a murderous man-bear in the background while you're taking selfies, don't just get right back in the hot tub and keep taking selfies. Donkey tails make effective flogging whips. If you're going to ruin everyone's childhood, at least make the movie a crowd-pleaser. Giving different characters different personalities helps. And last but not least... Hell hath no fury like a Pooh Bear scorned. Well, that's it for this week. As always, thank you for listening. Let us know what you thought of the movie. And if you have a movie that you want us to check out and talk about, drop us a line at mm at deadharvey.com. And until next time, love your animals and feed them well, because you never know when you could end up on their menu. <laughs>